Authorities are asking anyone with information to please call the hotline or 911 immediately. Update me whenever you learn something. Did she mention anything unusual going on lately? We're not really that close. But you guys are friends. Kind of. She has friends, right? She keeps to herself a lot. How would you guys describe this film to people who haven't seen it? Go. Okay. Uh, so, um, basically, the way we like to describe it is that Searching is a very, very, very classic thriller told in a very, very unconventional way. Uh, the classic part about it is that it's about a dad, played by this guy, uh, uh, whose daughter goes missing and he tries to find her. And the very unconventional part about it is that the majority of the film takes place on his daughter's laptop screen as he breaks into her computer to look for clues to find her. When I say the majority, the rest of it takes place on other computers and laptops and tech devices. So it's all told on the screens we use every day to communicate. Yeah, and I think one uh, a small neat moment at the beginning was just how emotional like deleting a calendar event can yeah. be and how that like elicited a like Pixar up like reaction from the crowd last night. Um, now how did John, how did you get involved with this film? Um, it was sent to me the traditional way. Um, can I do that? Can I do the summation of the movie but in uh, a different voice? Yeah. Okay. It's about this oh, Harold, right? Harold is his dad. <laughs> And then Harold's daughter goes missing, right? And then he's like, gotta find her on the computer. Nice. All right, well, that's exactly no, that, that, that fits in. Um, luckily, maybe there is a freak show at some point, too. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so it came to be the traditional way through my agents. And um, I, my first impression was that I really loved this, uh, the story, the genre uh, I wanted to do. I was very suspicious of telling it via screens um, and on that basis ended up saying no you know in retrospect I like to say I wonder if it was because um, Anish and I uh, spoke via a device uh, through the telephone instead of meeting face to face and um, he uh, came back at me and uh, we eventually sat down and it was then that I was convinced that it was going to be a um, a movie, not a YouTube video, you know? And he explained what, he int uh, what his intentions were uh, in the storytelling. And also, I just sort of uh, uh, developed a crush on Anish um, and decided Thick. we need to... <laughs> <laughs> on the record. And uh, decided we, I, I think there's a path to doing this movie. And if anyone could do it, I felt at the end of the meeting that it was him. And, and Seth, how would you describe as a co-writer? Oh man, how would I describe John's crush on a niche? Or the yeah, let's go. Let's go deeper now. <laughs> the, 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 the film, because I feel like describing is tricky. Severe. <laughs> Severe. Uh, I mean, no. I think the way a niche describes it is exactly how we always talk about it. It is uh, first and foremost, it's a thriller. It's a regular film. It has all the ups and downs and twists and turns, and as you mentioned, like the emotion that you get with any film. We just happen to make it in a really crazy, unconventional way. Um, to be honest with you, like. When you know Anish and I are writing partners, and he directs and I produce. When we first had the opportunity to make this film, we also said no. Yeah. Actually, it seems to be a pattern. They, you know, we pitched it as a short film, and the company who had also produced Unfriended um, was like, "Can you guys make that into a feature?" And for the same exact reason as John, I think we, we were hesitant. And it wasn't until we kind of came up with this opening montage. For those of you guys who saw it, um, it was it was an opportunity for us to like use this crazy conceit, but tell a really grounded, human, and most of all, emotional story in it. We kind of call that opening montage like a Pixar's Up meets Google commercial montage. 
<laughs> that, no, that's really good. And I think it's also interesting because you come, this is your first feature film. Mm -hmm. So you have a background in short films. And so I'm asking this for a friend, um, a friend who's intelligent, handsome, maybe a tech writer, um, <laughs> who also does short films. But how do you leap from doing shorts into an indie film, and specifically this one? Uh, maybe another way of asking that is, how did you get to Sundance and win? <laughs> uh, carefully and over a long period of time. Uh, no, it's... Uh, so basically, before I had, was was making this film, I was at Google uh, in New York City at the Google Creative Lab, um, and I was sort of writing and developing and, and directing commercials, which was a gig that I had just kind of found my way into, thank God. Um, but you know, it was there where I really learned how to sort of emote on computer screens, um, and you know, my bosses had made some of the best Google commercials, I, you know, actual commercials. Period. You know, there was one if you guys remember, like. On the Super Bowl a, year, a few years ago, 2005, it was one called Parisian Love, where it's all told on a Google search bar, and it's about a kid who goes to Paris and meets the love of his life, and it's just told through the searches on Google. Um, and then there was another one that was on, on, on just on Gmail, about a dad writing letters to his kid called Dear Sophie, and it tr kind of follows the growth of this kid. And I remember thinking, like, wow, these are such unconventional ways of telling this story, but the story itself is so universal and something that we can all relate to. And so really it was this whole project kind of came together after Sev met with this company that wanted to make a movie on a computer screen. And Sev was like, hey, my boy works at Google. You should meet with him too. And so, you know, it really felt like this movie was sort of like a, a very, very kind of seamless next step in it. Although at no point did we ever feel like this was a, a home run. You know, this was like, I, I quit my job at Google to make this movie, and we made this movie with like five people in a very, very small editing room with two com iMac computers that were crashing like every two hours, and we would lose like 15 to 20 percent progress. Like, and we were kind of going from 8 a.m. to 2 a.m. every single day for the court, almost two years. Um, and you know, if this movie had failed, uh, if this movie fails, but if it had failed, you know, no one would have batted an eye because like no one believed in this movie from the beginning. So to have that. You know, we just kind of took a, a crazy leap of faith and sort of trusted that we all had done enough at that point to just figure out how to do something absolutely new. And it, and it somehow we applied to Sundance, got in, and then like 12 hours after our premiere became a worldwide uh, distribution deal. So it was, it was funny. I, I remember when we got the call about Sundance, if you guys would like to hear about that, because it's like a filmmaker's dream come true. Uh, they normally call the director. Right, and I've, I've I've been lucky to have a couple of movies in Sundance, and it's always a director would call me and give me like the best news of my life. Anish was, I think, traveling. Yeah, I was I was I was on the jetway from India to Bali, uh, and he was trying to find himself. I was after trying to find myself. I'm trying to flush my brain actually <laughs> every screen that I had seen for the last. Two so years. check this out, and we we had like strategically planned this out. We're like Anish, you should change your voicemail message to be like, hey, I'm out of the country, blah blah blah. If you're Sundance, leave a message. I'm checking. So we did all the steps, and then literally like. We, I happened to be at lunch with like my producing partner, Natalie, our editors, and everyone else on the film because we were like doing a technical test of the movie like a month before in case we got into Sundance. And I got the call from Sundance to my phone, and I was like, everyone, like, sh like, it's and like, it was like, yeah, I'm acting like really chill. Oh, cool, yeah, like, we'd love to come, sure, cool, thanks. And then like, we hung up, we just started going crazy in this restaurant. We're like, holy, sh like, Anish doesn't know. So we like called Anish, and like, he's like, hey man, like, I don't have good service, I'm about to take off on this flight and we told you the news right as you guys are taking off, right? I turned off my like data because it's like the, my international data plan sucks, so I basically had to time it every 20 minutes <laughs> to check my, like if I got any messages and in the 20 minutes, I missed the call from Sundance and I was like, damn, but we But I'll tell you one thing, news. Sundance tells us the most important thing is like you cannot tell anybody your movies in Sundance because they're gonna announce it, you know, two or three weeks from then. So we told Anish like just don't tell anybody 
and you were trapped in a plane with how many people? Well, I was trapped on the jetway, and everybody knew that something <laughs> major had been had just happened in my life. But I don't think they knew if it was positive or negative because my reaction was just like, <laughs> "Oh my god," you know. Uh, so uh, hopefully one day they'll piece it together, but I doubt it. <laughs> but just so you guys like know, video yeah. of you online, like, what's yeah, going on with this like, guy? This guy. Well, yeah. I, um, I wonder too, because okay, so John, I rewatched the um, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle trailer, and in, no, no, no. Um, <laughs> this links to the movie, I promise. That last but, word. <laughs> <laughs> trailer. Um, and the, the voiceover in it uh, for the original trailer describes you as that Asian guy from American Pie. Now, watching the film last night, um, I was struck by, we are just basically watching a story about a father searching for his daughter, uh, losing his family, uh, who just happens to be Asian American. And I'm wondering, what are your thoughts as an actor and a performer of how like, your career has changed that definition of being like that Asian guy to now you're doing these leads in like uh, movies like um, this in Columbus. Um, it's certainly an interesting journey. Um, you know, for me, this movie is a bit of the future right now. And what I mean by that is um, the race and ethnicity and culture of the family, and it is a whole family, that's represented in this movie. Um, th those things are specific, they're germane to who the characters are, and yet it also doesn't matter. And I think, and I I've been saying that for a while, I used to take pride in, my, um, in the fact that I would be cast in white roles, that that was uh, a point of pride because uh, I had resisted what they had written for me were for Asian men. And, um, but this is, to me, where, uh, this is an example of the end game, um, which is to get to a place where the character was written on the page, Asian, but it also is not a point in the plot. Um, and so this is, uh, I, in some ways, um, a culmination of that journey uh, and, and uh, of that auspicious start. I wonder, like, to follow up with that, like, as we see other movies coming out right now, um, another Asian movie out very, it's in the title, Crazy Rich Agents. I'm wondering, like, what does that future look like continuing to move forward? Continuing to move forward. Um, what I, I guess, um, you know, some of the, what I've been reading uh, the, kind of in the milieu of, of the Crazy Rich Asians press is, uh, and, and I, I wholly support the, 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 this idea that no one film should have to carry uh, the, the, the banner um, for a culture. It's absurd because we are diverse, um, we're deep, and um, I, I think it's insane for, uh, I mean, that's the trap of representation is to have to say, uh, this person, this story represents all of us. And I think where we wanna go to is um, moving towards uh, plurality. And, uh, and, and only then can it represent us. Um, because no one story, no one person, no one narrative, no one culture can represent us. And, and really, representation starts with being absolutely specific. And, you know, when you uh, foist 
the, the, the yoke of representation on any one project or person, you're gonna have to be general. And that is not authentic, it is false, and it will not work. IMO. <laughs> um, so going back to the uh, conceit of the film again. So the unusualness of the screens, I think, added like this beautiful, like kind of like tension within moments that you waited for that start screen to happen in David's bedroom and to see the the lava, whatever that is, the lava screensaver, uh, just to release that tension. Sometimes, um, <laughs> how is this like to make? Because it's a great story. But I imagine making this seems really unusual. I'm just thinking of all the details on the screen, um, the shots, uh, how you're acting. Can I say something? Like, uh, I don't know uh, if everyone knows. It's, it's, um, I'm just going to pay these guys a compliment, which is that you know, when I first saw the movie, I texted him and said, this is contributing to the vocabulary of cinema, which is incredibly difficult to do. And I think for many years now, Storytellers in my business have been struggling with how to dramatize what's happening in, in our culture, which is that more and more human beings are having exchanges through technological devices. Scenes that would have happened face to face, now we are, if, if we film them sometimes face to face, we're not being authentic because people are texting those those exchanges. People are emailing those exchanges. They're having those exchanges on Facebook or, uh, or, or, or FaceTime. And so how do you dramatize that? And I think the traditional way has been to film a person typing and, and shoot from behind their back. And if you recall, you know, like Meg Ryan sort of mouthing her, her instant messages out loud while she's typing. And it, and it has... It's been false. We haven't gotten it right. And it was the first thing that I read that offered a solution to that problem uh, as, as a storyteller, which was to go inside the device. And it was um, quite thrilling when I saw it. You know, one of my impressions was that I was uh, shocked at how much it made sense. You know, we are on seventh and eighth generation of devices, and we have nostalgia for devices. And so we have a, a shared history, and I think it's the first year that we could have made this film, you know, because our collective uh, understanding and history with these, these devices has arrived. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll talk a bit about, you, you know, you mentioned the movie is tense, and like part of what makes it tense for those that saw it is as you're watching, you know, you're just waiting for things to happen on the screen. I think that also kind of reflects how we felt making the movie and post-production specifically. Like Anish mentioned, we were working on two computers, probably like the computers you guys used to write articles are stronger than the computers we ended up using to edit. And we all became really religious during the making of this film. We, we started, um, we, like, we, we became like followers of the rainbow god. You guys know the, the spinning rainbow god? Like every time we'd be editing, like it would pop up and we'd just start <laughs> yeah. praying like, please like, like, don't, like don't delete everything we just did for the last three hours and it usually did. Um, so it, it was, it was kind of like, it was, it was crazy because we were trying to like come up with a path that hadn't really existed before. Yeah, and speaking of a path that didn't exist, one, the first thing that we did with this film, so basically for those of you guys who don't know like how exactly we shot it, you know, in the film there's all of the footage that is on a computer screen, there's a Skype camera, or the, there's like YouTube videos, there's, there's news footage, there's every website, just basically your computer. And then there's the way that 
we're seeing it, which is our additional camera that we're adding to all of that. Um, so basically, in order to make this movie, and this was Sev's idea, seven weeks before we even shot a frame of the movie after we had written the script, the first people we hired weren't the actors or anybody who comes on set. They were the editors, who traditionally work after the film is shot. So in this case, they came seven weeks before, and they just basically opened up these two computers that would be their home for the next two years, and basically <laughs> started screen capturing the internet and, and, and taking screen message, or photos of, of text messages and taking a bunch of photos of me. And basically, what we ended up with in it, uh, after after the course of seven weeks was an hour and 40 minute cut of the entire film starring me playing every single role, like the dad, the brother, the mother, the, the, all of her friends, just talking to myself. Especially the daughter. Especially the daughter, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My best performance. Um, but, you know, and, and, and this was honestly to teach us and teach ourselves how to make the movie, but on a very practical level, John, when he's on set, like you're looking at his face the entire time, shot on a GoPro, so every single tiny eye motion is extremely exaggerated. So he needs to know basically where every single cursor, or where the cursor is at every single point, where every pop-up window is happening, where every web page is popping up, where every like text message is popping up. So everything has to be matched perfectly and he needs to know everything that he's always doing. So we needed to like make the movie first so we could make the movie, so we could take that footage and put it back into the movie that we had made first and then continue to make the movie again. Got it. Yeah. Got it. No, um, I'll say, so you're talking about like YouTube windows, Facebook praise of prominent roles. How did you get, like, do you need to get permission to use that stuff on screen or how did that go about? Yeah, so, I mean, for us, one of the most important things, like, I think historically, one of the big kind of ideas that we wanted to do in this movie is get the internet right. And I feel like no Hollywood movie or television show or anything for that matter ever does technology right. Like they always cut to a phone and like the text messages are massive. It's just like shows you what you need to see. Or like you cut to a website and it's just totally made up and they never show you logos. And we were like, no, no, no. For this movie to work, it needs to feel like this is your computer, nothing here is made up, you know, everything is totally real. So from day one, our biggest kind of like uh, philosophy was, and this is something that we backed with basically a, a legal team that had made Unfriended, which is another movie that came out before, and also rep represented Family Guy, was just basically like, if we're showing these applications the way billions of people use every single day in a way that isn't lying or isn't portraying them in an overtly negative light on purpose, um, why not use them? You know, and we're not doing that. This movie isn't a um, indictment on technology. It's just in a weird way, showing that we live our lives on screens by the pure fact that we're able to tell a story that has about a dad looking for his kid on screens. Yeah, in fact, that actually, it adds like a layer of comfort too when you're first watching it. The first few minutes you're like, oh yeah, I get this. Or like you hear the windows chime and it's like, oh yeah, that. Yeah. But I think also because of that, that allows you to get to know the family. <laughs> ASMR is the windows chime. <laughs> um, but it allows you to get to, get to know the family and uh, set the plot up so when later things happen, you're just like losing your mind. Like, yeah. I just don't want to, I don't want to see it, but I want to see it kind of thing. Um, so going back um, a bit here with, uh, there's all these details on the screen. There's like all these side details. And one that popped up was like, and a news scroll, and it said something like, um, Hollywood producer, <laughs> um, uh, what is it, uh, suspected in film editors. It says, Hollywood murder. producer, prime suspect in murder of film editors. Um, so that is, could be so many people, really. It could be a lot of people, yeah. yeah. it could be a lot of people. It could, it could possibly be Sev, the producer, <laughs> sitting right next to us. Um, the editors are fine, okay? They're yeah, they're fine. fine. One of them we is have not totally seen them. live. We have um, not seen them, guys. So basically, you know, this film and the script, we're always talking about the plot, but if you pause this movie, you can always see other things. So once you see this film, uh, to the majority of you guys, like, try and, like, 
like look at anywhere apart from the main action. The second time you see the movie. The second time you see the movie. <laughs> yeah. Or the first time if you want to pay attention for clues. But like this, every single line of text in this movie, whether it's the side text messages if you open up iMessage or every single email or every single description of every finder file, what date that was added, the size of the file, the type of the file, every time, every single website, it all was written by us for this movie. So like every single line sort of like had to have added significance and there was a lot of clues, side stories, subplots, everything going on. So we had a lot of time for fun. I mean, my favorite one that Anish wrote was early on when you see you know, David texting with his daughter, one of the side texts is from a woman named Hannah who I guess he had gone on like an eHarmony date the week before and she's like, hey, had a great dinner, would love to get a Happen second a drink. drink. Yeah. And then a couple days into the movie, she follows up, no response. And then, like, when his daughter's missing and everyone knows about it, she's like, oh, your daughter's missing. Maybe next week? <laughs> like, so it's like, like we, we, like, we wanted, you know, the movie's so tense. Like, we, there's all these really fun subplots and in huge Easter eggs that no one hasn't, you know, people haven't caught yet. So we're going to be really excited you to see You can piece us. the movie together if you look to the left and right. But I don't think, like, the first time, uh, we try to kind of distract you a little well, bit. Well, it's hard because, I mean, because going back to it, like, having that camera mostly centered on John's face, his reactions, his eyes and eyebrows tell so much. I'm wondering, John, as you're filming this, um, how did you link like the emotionality of it, but also just the technical hurdle of kind of being between, like literally being wedged between two cameras, one in front and one kind of behind? Um, yeah, it was. Uh, I felt, um, you know, kind of uh, a little lost, uh, or I was just struggling with my performance the whole movie. Um, it turned out okay, but. Uh, <laughs> He's great. He is <laughs> phenomenal, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, it, this is so unlike anything I'd ever done before that it was, um, I, I just didn't have anything to hold on to. And, uh, you know, and also there were no people uh, on set. And so I was doing uh, all of the, the, I was performing alone, and that's really unnatural. I always try to avoid... Even blocking scenes, sometimes people like, blocking is like how you stage a scene, and, um, and sometimes directors like people, you know that shot of the guy talking, uh, look, gazing out the window and ruminating uh, to a person behind him? Uh, <laughs> and sometimes the directors will like that kind of staging, and, and I don't even like that, because I want to, if there's a person in the room, I want to look at them and talk because it always gets, it's the best way to a, a good performance. And um, so not having a person on set was, uh, was strange and difficult. So it just really was about being super specific. So, so like even some of those, like there's chats with other characters, they're not even like in like another room or in the part of the studio. It... Sometimes there were, uh, Deborah Messing was on location. Uh, she, she was in another room and we communicated via an earpiece. Um, but uh, that's also another weird thing for me, just having an earpiece in. Um, and she was on the screen, but we couldn't do a, a, a normal size because... This program wouldn't allow us to expand this video of Deborah Messing in this other room past, like, this size. I, like, we kept trying to open it up, but it wouldn't let us. To be clear, we were using software that you use to set up security systems in your home. So yeah. I thought that there was supposed to be four cameras. We only had one. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um... So we have a unique thing here. We have a, a, a gentleman with the first feature film, an indie film. Um, you've produced several a wonderful independent films, especially Fruitvale Station. But John, you've been in a lot of popular films, like the Star Trek series and Harold and Kumar. And I'm wondering what you guys think of uh, this proposal for the Academy Awards of having a popular film genre. 
I don't know the details of what those details are going to be. I certainly, uh, personally, you know, um, appreciate the focus on quality, and I I hope that uh, that doesn't obscure the overall goal of the Academy Awards, which is to reward um, craftsmanship. Well, what about you guys, as in, like any guys? Um, I think we went from having no shot at the Academy Awards to like one percent <laughs> shot at the Academy Awards. So. Uh, pretty excited about that. No, they, they haven't released Congrats. any details about how it's going to work. You know, what best popular film means. Like, what is the definition of a popular film? Is it box office? Is it marketing spent? Like, we don't know any of that. So they just sort of announced it, and I think it's part of a larger proposal to to kind of bring up viewership and everything. Um, which, uh, but you know, I love the Oscars, so uh, I'm sure they had it. I mean, it I don't like to pass judgment until we have more information, but I hate it. Like, I think, like, I think it's like. I feel like it, it takes... All right, now we have a 0.5%. I think... I think... Uh, I, I, what I mean by hate it is like, I'm totally too. about it. Uh, I, I mean, I just worry it, it, might, it might give films that would otherwise be up for Best Picture nominations. Like, if I'm an Academy voter, would I want to vote for Black Panther for Best Picture if it can get most popular film? Like, that's why I'm not a fan of it. Personally. Black Panther Award this year. Well, and I wonder, because you actually, you worked with Ryan Coogler. And so uh, if this had been around for, say, something like Fruitvale Station, that might be different than the fact that his first major giant film, uh, Black Panther, is probably going to benefit from this. No. I mean, I don't know. I can't speak for Ryan. But again, in my opinion, Black Panther should be up for Best Picture. Great. Um, so pivoting a little bit here. So... Um, <laughs> John, another series associated with you is Star Trek, and I noticed that Star Wars has been kind of doing these like B-side movies where it's kind of like off the main <laughs> plot, and there's like, uh, there was Solo this uh, earlier this year. I'm wondering, is there room for something like a Sulu movie? Has like oh. the same letters almost. <laughs> That's a really good character. If Solo, why not Sulu? Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I'll produce. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's on, he's on like the computer the whole time, right? Yeah. Like he's on the he's the it's navigator. The but yeah, what if yeah, what if you just did the screen like the searching version of Star Trek where it's just all the computers? I don't know that there is a day on shooting Star Trek that Chris Pine did not call me solo. <laughs> what what did you have like a retort when he did? No, no, I answered to solo. <laughs> you wouldn't do like a Wookiee thing, like Arr! You know, I'm not walking into that. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, John, this is like a really weird question slash comment. I love, your, I love your hair. You have like the most amazing hair. And like, I'm curious, like, do you use like pomade? Do you use like gel? Is it like, like egg whites? Like what? It's, I wish I had that hair like all my life. Whale blubber. <laughs> no, no. Or, like artisanal though, probably, right? Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, so... As we move, uh, moving away from searching a little bit, what are some projects you guys are be working on next or hoping to work on next? Um, well, you know, one at a time, I can't really, it's hard for me to multitask on two major projects, but uh, our next project right now, um, and this has all been like a result of, you know, our, this movie coming out at Sundance and now coming out, is that people actually care about what else we want to make, which is like 
I never thought that that's what I wanted, but now that's all I want. Um, you know, and, and we basically got a chance to write another film that we've been developing for a long time, um, for about a year before in the editing room of Search, uh, or Searching. Um, and basically, it's another thriller. Um, it's still about parents and kids. Everything that we've made so far has been about parents and kids. This one's about a mom and a daughter. Um, it's very, 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 very dark and twisted. Um, it'll probably be the only truly dark thing that we make, and it definitively does not take place on computer screens. Uh, <laughs> and it's, it's called Run, um, and we're shooting that hopefully in the fall. Um, I'm doing a, a feature next that, um, that hasn't been announced, so I, I don't think I should say anything. Um, Sulu? Uh, Sulu? <laughs> the Star Trek story. Sulu, a Star Trek story, yeah. Uh, and, I, and I'm with the niche. Yeah, so mine. Sev and I wrote Run together. Um, Sev is producing it, I'm directing it, and then Natalie Kasabian, who also produced uh, Searching, is also going to be uh, producing that one as well. We, ha we actually have a shout-out to Searching in Run that we can probably talk about. So in, in the movie Run, our next movie that's not on screens, at one point a character like desperately goes to a computer and tries to look online for information about something, but the internet's disconnected. And that's it. So like no, no computers, computers we're good. Yeah. Regular cameras. <laughs> so you mentioned like oh, you're doing a family, uh, sticking with the kind of the family genre with yeah. the idea of like a father looking for his daughter. I'm wondering, are any of you guys fathers here? I am. And like, how does that, when you see something like searching, like how does that affect the way you look at your, the way your children interface with the internet or with social media? Um, you know, uh, my my oldest is ten, and um, he's not quite there. Uh, but it's tough. Uh, the, what, the, what the film addresses is, um, you know, we used to tell our children be uh, watch out for the the weirdos at the park, but now all the weirdos in every park in the world have access to your child in his or her bedroom, and so. You know, what do you do with that? I, I, I don't know, um, because partially because my kid is already m more um, uh, uh, internet or uh, computer literate than me, and I know that that gap is only going to widen. So I think it probably has to do with um, being an actual good parent, Ugh. But, um, <laughs> but making sure that your children feel loved and safe so that, you know, so that they protect themselves. I don't know. Um, this whole family thing, I will say, like, I'm going to go back to Sundance, which was, um, uh, forgive me, but it did remind me of this. Um, point, and one more political point, which is that, you know, when we premiered the movie, and it was so interesting because I, we made this movie, and it was wonderful to sort of have the, the politics of it be absent or the, the, the representation question, largely be absent while we were making it. We were so sort of focused on making um, a working thriller, but it, it wasn't really, it didn't hit me in an emotional way until we were at Sundance and saw a family, and that's what really did it for me, because um, I, I've noticed that uh, some of you are Asian, uh, it, you know, let me know if you agree with this, but s so much of Asian representation uh, in film has been, or families, is, uh, you know, that generational story where an Asian person is running away from their family to find love. So which implies that love is excluded from your nuclear family. And that culture prohibits, Asian culture prohibits love 
or even lust, you know? And um, I always thought that that was bullshit and hated it. And it was at Sundance when I saw this complete family, you know, the, the film is premised upon, you know, my character is a widower and her shadow, the mother's shadow is very long through the film because it's really about two people, me and my daughter, mourning separately for the same person in a different way. And um, so it's a family trying to be united and it's a loving, complete Asian American family. And it was not until we were at Sundance and I was watching the audience watch our film that it, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, because Sundance, I guess, is to me uh, the most important film festival in the world. All right, makes sense. So uh, let's give a big hand to these guys for coming out Thank today. Thank you guys for coming out. Thank you.